Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. See, we separate the two. Murdering is really bad. Anger is not that big of a deal. But as we go through this, you're going to see that the effects of anger and murder on your relationship with God are very similar. Okay? Oh, now I got you where I want you. Then Jesus goes on and he gives these examples. He says, if you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court in the sense of the Jewish council. Evidently, the Jews had authority to call someone in for angrily calling someone an idiot uh, or, or another translation is a good for nothing. <laughs> oh, that's just funny. The Jewish court could pass judgment on you. So, so you are in public and you tell your spouse you're good for nothing. The priest could say, come in, we need to talk a little bit. This isn't good. This is, there could be judgment passed. He says, Jesus says, if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, that's not the Sanhedrin calling you in before the other Jewish leaders and saying, no, 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 you have to be nice to other people. No, no. This one, he says, if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So now this is a God-sized judgment. This isn't just you got to stop doing that. This is there are severe consequences for cursing someone. All of a sudden, murder and hate are coming closer and closer together. But I didn't murder anyone. My anger doesn't actually affect anyone, right? Because we're good at being privately angry because we were raised in church. You can't show your anger. You'll get a spanking for that. So we learned to do it privately. I didn't actually murder anybody, and my anger doesn't actually affect anybody. My anger is not that big of a deal. We're masters at downplaying and justifying our cursing someone. Uh-oh. We are masters at downplaying and even justifying our cursing someone. Listen to me carefully. If the light of Jesus is what is inside of you, then the light is what shines by way of your good deeds. That's what the text says that we went through a couple weeks ago. You okay? Because, see, I, I spent a bunch of time thinking about, oh, I need to define what, what a cursing people is or cursing someone else is, because we've got to know what a curse is, because we need to know that line so that we don't cross it. That's not what Jesus is teaching. He's not teaching that at all. He doesn't give us a real clear line of where the curse is. What he gives us a real clear line is, is that Jesus, the light of the world, is in you. And now you are the light of the world. So the, the line of cursing other people is way back there. We don't need to define that line. What we need to define is God's light in you, shining through you in good deeds. And it looks nothing like cursing someone. Well, what does cursing someone look like? It doesn't matter. You okay? I need to know the black and white. What does the Greek say about cursing? It says that if Jesus is in you, you won't curse people. 
If the light of Jesus is what's inside of you, then the light of Jesus is what shines out of you by way of your good deeds. We studied that. If darkness is what's inside of you, then cursing is what comes out of you. You can't call yourself light when darkness is eking out. I'm gonna pause right here for a minute, get myself in trouble. I kind of think that the church world is who started this whole illogical identification thing because we identify as followers of Christ, but we look nothing like the light of Christ. And we should call that out. You okay? <laughs> Jesus just said, he said, you are the salt, you are the light, and you will look that way. If Christ is in you, you will reflect the character of God. That's the whole point of, of, of the beatitudes and the salt and the light and the law. If Christ is in you, it's gonna show through you. I think we sang a children's church song about that once upon a time. So if you call yourself a follower of Christ, but darkness is continually eking out of you, sweetheart, you might be identifying as something that you're not really. <laughs> Probably not gonna be a lot of downloads on this sermon. Don't justify your anger because Jesus makes the consequences very real. In this illustration, he says, if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Oh, Brent, he's just speaking in hyperbole. No, he's not. Because he's saying that if cursing is what's coming out of you, you're not filled with the light of God. You're not part of the kingdom of heaven and you are in danger of the fires of hell. Because of that act of cursing, no because of the lack of the presence of God in you. <laughs> Amen, Brent, I think. Do not take your anger lightly because God doesn't. Before you justify your anger as reasonable or righteous, because we do that too, right? It's righteous indignation. I told those people, you shouldn't wear your hair that way. God doesn't like it. Oh, Lord, set us free. Before you justify your anger as reasonable or righteous, stop and evaluate. You may want to step back and calm down. Remember this, just because you are angry at sin, maybe even angry at the sinner, that does not give you reason to curse the sinner. This is why I spent a lot of time with Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who come to Desert Heights Church. <laughs> for those who are in Christ Jesus, because if you have been around church very much, there's a lot of condemnation. And we do this thing out of anger and we call it righteous indignation, but we, we get angry and then, and then we, well, there's a whole bunch of things we do. Just because you're angry at sin, maybe even angry at the sinner, that does not give you reason to curse the sinner. You are not God. You don't get to pass condemnation on other sinners. I put that word other in there very intentionally. You realize we're standing in a group of sinners, right? So we're really good about, well, did you see sister so-and-so? They did such and such. They're going to hell. That's what Brent just preached about. 
No, we are all sinners. So we don't, we don't get to pass condemnation on fellow sinners. James 1 says, especially in anger, James 1.20 says, uh, he tells us about how, how human anger, because we're always good at justifying it, right? Come on, Brent. Sometimes we got to just get mad and do it. James explicitly tells us that human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So when do we get mad at people? I don't, I don't know, real honestly. I don't, see, I don't see space in scripture for me to get mad at people who do the same things that I do. Jesus had declared before before we started the Sermon on the Mount, he says, repent, repent, change the way you think. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he tells us, because of God's supreme blessings in you, because you are the salt and the light, because this is not about the standard of the law, but it is about God's standard of holiness. Repent, think differently. The law is not gonna get you there. Here's what has changed. Murder was the offense. Murder was the defense. Now Jesus comes along and anger is the offense, extreme anger. Your extreme anger calls into question whether or not the character of God is present in you. The absence of God in you puts you in jeopardy of God's judgment. That was my summarization of number one. You okay? I like the way you're looking at me this morning. We went from the fun stuff. Preach about the Beatitudes and how God's gonna bless me, Brent. Some of you are thinking, okay, now what do I do to get rid of my anger? Because this is a very real issue even in, in the church world. Um, wh what do I need to do to get rid of my anger? Number two, reconciling grace. Here's the practical application. Read slowly. Read slowly. So, Jesus says, so, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, you kind of got to get your picture, your, your imagination going, get the picture of this in your head. You are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple. You understand this is a Jewish context, so they're, they're going to, to worship God at the temple. Take your sacrifice. I'm going to give something to God. We're coming to worship. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. This is a really big deal here. Uh, so, so here's the picture. If we were to put it in a, in a modern context, your context, you, you come to church, uh, you're coming to get your worship on, right? We're going to go worship God. Hope Thomas leads good songs today. Hope Brent preaches a good sermon. Not too long, but a good sermon. Good one in 15 minutes. <laughs> you are about to... Uh, or, or you, you come and, and you got your offering in the offering envelope, put your name on it, and you're feeling pretty good, you're gonna worship God with my giving. Or maybe, maybe Thomas has just begun the first song and uh, it's your favorite and you're about to really lift your voice and sing. Maybe you arrived at church and 
You're supposed to be helping out with one of the specific ministries around the church on Sunday morning. You're supposed to be teaching a Sunday school class. You're supposed to be being a greeter or helping in some way, whatever. You have, you have come to worship God. And you're just about to get in the middle of worshiping God, however it is at that moment. And then you remember, oh, I have a friend. We'll call that friend Schmo, because I don't think any of you, I haven't seen that on the visitor's cards, but could be. You remember your friend Schmo is angry at you. Schmo is the brother to Schmoline. You know that, right? Schmoline is his sister. Schmo and Schmoline. So Schmo is upset at you and you remember. Now, maybe, maybe what happened was you were, you were a little bit rude. You didn't mean to be, but it came off what something you said. Maybe it was a little bit rude. You had a selfish or proud moment and, and you were a jerk. Or maybe, or maybe there was a simple misunderstanding because that's, that's a very real option. Sometimes people misunderstand uh, your, your words. They in, un, misunderstand your intentions and they get, they get angry at you because they didn't understand really what was going on. Uh, some, uh, something has, has seriously irritated your friend Schmo, Okay. You remember this as you're about to worship. And Jesus says, your worship can pause. Yeah, but Brent, I'm, I'm coming to worship God. And you make a big issue every Sunday about how important and how, how wonderful it is that we get to worship God. And it's important because he is worthy. And you're saying I should stop my worship to go deal with Schmo who has his feelings hurt, possibly over something simple. I summarized this, I second-guessed it, and then I committed to it. So I'm gonna say what I wrote. Jesus says, your worship is not acceptable until you go and are reconciled to that person who's angry at you. Well, Brent, it's not my anger, it's their anger. They should be working at reconciliation, not me. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't write the scriptures, I just teach them. And that's what it says, that if somebody's angry at you, you can skip out of church to go reconcile with them. You know, in 20 years of ministry, I've never had a person say, I missed last week because I, I had a friend who was upset with me and I went and was trying to make it right with him. We really would have a rapture then, huh? You okay? Jesus says your worship is not acceptable until you go and reconcile with your fellow believer. It kind of reminds me of the story of Cain and Abel, where Cain and Abel, they bring their offerings to God. Cain gets his feelings hurt. Really, his feelings are hurt at God, and he ends up killing his brother, Abel. It's very easy for us to downplay or to excuse our anger or even excuse the anger of a fellow believer. We say things like, it's no big deal, I'll let it go, or it's no big deal, they need to let it go, they need to get over it. We downplay it, but God is very serious about our anger. The anger of another person affects your relationship with God. Do you follow that? That's a really big deal. 
because we're really good at insulating ourselves from other relationships because we've, we've already broken some relationships. We've created anger uh, or, or there's, there's anger that exists. However it exists doesn't really matter, uh, but there's anger. And so let's just, let's just retract and not have relationships and I'll run into church and worship and run out so that I, I don't have to get angry at people. The anger, your anger and the anger of another person directly affects your relationship with God. You leave your sacrifice at the altar and you go do what you need to do to be reconciled to that person, that person who is offended. Your relationship with others reveals what is truly in your heart. You can't declare, I am right with God. I just am not right with his people. Big red flag. Big red flag. You can't say I'm right with God the Father, but I really don't like his children. I like the way you're looking at me. Nobody's breathed in like five minutes. <laughs> Jesus puts the responsibility you're gonna love this because we haven't made it difficult yet. Jesus puts the responsibility on the one worshiping him. It doesn't matter who is guilty of being offensive or which person is offended. You following with me? Jesus puts the responsibility of reconciliation on the one who comes to worship God. You may need to wrap your brain around that. But Brent, I didn't do anything. I love it because my nieces and nephews were at the house last week for Mother's Day and uh, mom tells the kids to put stuff away and one of the kids says, but I didn't get it out. <laughs> and we come to church, you're like reconcile with people that are angry. I didn't do the one, I'm not the one that made them angry. I didn't do anything. Why do I have to do it? You would think we'd grow up, we don't. We like the idea we like the idea of being under the supreme blessings of God. Remember the Beatitudes? But we kind of ignore that the promise of blessing is to the one who is humble, who is pure of heart, who is merciful. I could go through all of them, but I'm not. But the point is that that character, that character that is explained in the Beatitudes where God says, I will bless you abundantly, that character, that's the person who says, I offended somebody and I feel bad about it. And so I've got to go, I got to go talk to them. I got to go make this right. Or I am offended at somebody and I don't like the way this makes me feel. So I want to go and make it right with them. That's the character that God blesses. We like the idea of the supreme blessing of God, but we kind of ignore that those blessings are directed toward humble people, pure of heart, those who are merciful. The kingdom of heaven is not for the person who can wait it out, yell louder. I started to put yell scriptures louder <laughs> or be more obstinate than the other person. Like, I'll just wait, they'll get over it. I'll just wait, I'll get over it. It's not, that's not the instruction of scripture, sweetheart. Salt and light shows through by our good deeds 
toward our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Listen carefully. Salt and light shows through us by our good deeds toward our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, not by our church attendance or the size of our sacrifice. The law is not fulfilled in your sacrifice. It is fulfilled in your reconciliation to your friend, Shmo, or whoever that is. That was less dramatic than it was, seemed like in my head. What? The law is fulfilled in my reconciliation to, to my friends who are a jerk sometimes? Yes. Well, what about Jesus? What about love? We just got to love people more. <laughs> wow, that means nothing, right? Shake your head, yes. <laughs> Stick to your notes, Brent. They're running. They're running. They just haven't gotten out the door yet. Lock the doors. The law is not fulfilled in your sacrifice. It's fulfilled in, you, in your reconciliation to your friend that's been offended for whatever reason. Jesus illustrates it further, the consequences of anger uh, and unreconciled relationships. And uh, number three, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing good. I think we're doing good. Yeah, we're doing good. Living by grace, he says, uh, verse 25, he says, when you are on your way to court, very practical, very real uh, uh, application here. He says, when you are on your way to court with your adversary, so he, took, he made the circle a little bigger this time, so now it's not believers, but with an adversary. When you're on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly, quickly, quickly. Otherwise, your, advers your, uh, uh, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Our sinful nature says, dig in, don't budge, don't let them get anything from you, right? I took, you know, I, I took, uh, took classes in business and I love the art of negotiation. One of my teachers was, uh, he was vice president of business affairs at the college that I went to. And so every once in a while he would come in with a story about how they'd been negotiating contracts. And I always love good negotiation stories. But then we come to the biblical principle of negotiating our anger. Has anybody else ever been to court for either side? Am I the only one that's ever been to court? I have time for a quick... <laughs> no, Brent, you're the only heathen in the room. <laughs> uh, I had taken a tenant who was months and months and months and months and months behind on their rent. And I finally was like, you guys got to leave. And so I'd given them an eviction notice and uh, they didn't know how the process worked. And so uh, I'm not saying this to inflate myself. It just is an illustration. Um, I, I went and uh, this young lady didn't know how it worked. And so I'm trying to very kindly help her through the process, but I need my house back because I have to pay the bills on it. I can't just let people live there for free. And I had for a long time. So we got to do something. So we go. And I remember the, the look on the judge's face whenever he says, Heading versus, I'm not going to tell you who it was. And he's asking if these people are in the, in the courtroom. Well, I was sitting next to her because she was scared and I was trying to help her. And so the judge looks up and he says, this is Hedden and so-and-so. And, 
And she shakes her head yes, and he's like, never seen that happen before. <laughs> Let your light shine. We don't have to be jerks to people. We can be kind. We can be kind and still be legal. That has very little to do with what's going on. Don't dig in. Don't judge. Don't let other people. Uh, we get this thing where I don't want anybody to get anything from me. Back to the Beatitudes. This is why I said the Beatitudes and the salt and the law, the uh, incompletion of the law is important to understanding what Jesus is teaching because the Beatitudes tell us that the man who is poor in spirit, hopefully you remember me talking about this, the man who is poor in spirit, the man who knows he, is, he only has God and nothing else, the man who is poor in spirit, all he has is God and nothing else. He knows that he has nothing that can be taken away. So whenever somebody offers to take him to court, he's like, I'll go with you. I got nothing that you can't take. I mean, I mean you can have whatever. I have nothing. I, all, I, all I have is God. The ability to offer grace comes from the ability for us to offer grace to someone else comes by knowing that other people cannot diminish or demean me. All I am and all I have is the Lord. So if you're headed to court, give them what they want. We're gonna see this again later on in Matthew. Don't be all wound up about, I have a right. No, give it to them. You know what? God will replace it. If God gave it to you, he can replace it. I'm thinking of a song we used to sing. You know I hate it. It was, I went to, I went to the enemy's camp to take back what he stole from me. Sweetheart, don't go to the enemy's camp to take back what he stole from you. Don't. Just surrender it freely, give it up, and then go to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's got it. You okay? Please don't sing that song. And if you did, we're gonna have an altar service here in a little while and you can repent from it. <laughs> I went to the enemy's camp. Why, why, why? All we have is Jesus. Is that not enough? Anyway, Jesus's advice here is settle outside of court. And there's great wisdom in this because what if you may be in the wrong and you, we, we are on our way to court. I'm so right. I'm trying, I'm taking you to court and I'm gonna take you for all your worth. And then you go and you find out the judge says, no, you're wrong and we're gonna take you for all your worth. So you're much better to settle out of court with a lot of grace and get along and have, have some relationship. That way you don't risk losing your freedom but Brent, I need to prove that I am right. No, you don't need to prove that you are right. You shine the light of Jesus. I hope you're, you're making the next logical step here. You do not need to prove you are right. You need to shine Jesus. And he went to the cross, never saying a word to prove that he was right. We are not on the earth to be right. We are here on this earth to shine the unreasonable grace of Jesus to those who do not have it. But they did me wrong. It doesn't matter you shine the light of Christ. They don't deserve it. Neither do you, sweetheart. But I got to tell them so that, I, so that I know that they know that I am right. 
you're in danger of the fires of hell. I'm hoping that you realize that Jesus is not imposing this standard on us. Listen carefully. This really is my last, last 10 pages. I'm hoping that you realize that Jesus is not imposing this standard on us. He is extending this standard to us. Do you see that? We were, off, we were offending him. And he brought the kingdom of heaven to us. You're following the timeline. Because some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't understand. You were living in sin and he still brought the kingdom of heaven to you. He's extending this grace, this standard to us and through us. He's not putting it on us. We were acting like spoiled, entitled little brats and he offered us grace. He offered us forgiveness. He offered us reconciliation while we were sinning against him and being little jerks. He said, I just want to pull you close and hug you and love you. It's not a standard on us. It's a standard in us and through us. And that standard fulfills the law. Wow, that's good. Jesus came to accomplish the purpose of the law and the prophets. And that is to fulfill, is to fill you so full of God's grace that it can't help but shine through you. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.